This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Welcome to the show. This is Tom from tdjacobs.com, The Soul's Journey, all about um, evolutionary astrology and channeling, helping you understand more about uh, what you're doing here, (laughs) why you're here, uh, why things happen to you the way they do, and what are your options in navigating uh, human life. So this whole this whole show is about this, and there are two main uh, ideas today I want to I want to talk to you about. Um, the first one is I'm announcing the new channeled book, the fifth one, and it's kind of a big deal as you'll get when I explain it to you, and it's available as of today. So this is kind of the launch, and. Um, and in there, I'm also going to do a little a little debrief uh, just to get some things off my chest about the process because it was two weeks of channeling and then about a week of editing and and formatting and that kind of thing and and um, it's a transformative process to do that and I want you to kind of have a sense of what it is like from my perspective to do that because you're going to get the book and read it and you're going to have your own experience but you know what's it like to what's it like to live on that frequency for three weeks um having you know uh judy inside your head the ascended master so so i want to talk about that a little bit explain the book and tell you how to get it the second part of the show which will be the longer part of the show is going to be about sensitivity and i have quite a lot i want to i want to talk about with this um through a couple of different examples, uh, most brief, but one I'm going to go into in, in, in some detail. Uh, I want to talk about some Neptune and Chiron and Pisces stuff. And transiting, uh, th- these are these are transiting kind of together uh, in in Pisces right now, and transiting Mercury is there right now between them. So it's a really great opportunity to put some words to some things about energetic and emotional sensitivity related to uh, Chiron. Uh, Neptune and Pisces. And some of those topics are going to be – the one I want to talk about is uh, gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity, uh, which I've heard people describe as a fad, but let me tell you it's not. Uh, you know, like the kind of gluten-free diet being a fad you know, because they don't really understand what's really happening. So I want to give you some um, context for why it's uh, spreading uh, – why this issue is spreading and how to understand it in terms of collective awareness of – energy and emotion that is represented by Chiron and Neptune traveling together in Pisces. Uh, and then some, some other things. Um, so first of all, I want to tell you about this book. I want to tell you about this book. I'm really excited. I, I alluded uh, in the previous few weeks that a book was in process, but I wasn't going to talk about it. And um, then it was done. And uh, frankly, kind of a weight lifted because to be in this particular space of this particular material – being with Jehudi 24-7, I wasn't channeling 24-7, uh, but being in that space so I could allow the, um, I guess the teaching to, or his message, you know, the kind of arc of it to take shape, the trajectory of it to come into form. And these are, it's basically, well, it's called Conscious Living, Conscious Dying. So it's kind of a serious book. It covers quite a lot of ground. It's the shortest channeled book thus far from me. 
but it is the most impactful by far. Packs the 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 deepest, um, you know, pull you out of complacency and confusion punch of uh, of all those uh, books I brought through. There are five channel books so far. This is a fifth, and uh, so it's about soul and life and death. How your soul views your life, how your life unfolds according to essentially the instructions of soul. And how to understand that and work with it in a conscious way so that you create a meaningful life that your soul craves that you, that you do, that you figure out how to do. And then talking about death, uh, our conceptions of death that have actually shaped how we live. When you really sit down, when you're reading the book and you sit down and think about this and you're, and you're reading what he actually says about this and you realize that our cultural ideas, ideals and ideas about, about death and, and they actually shape how we live. So Jehudi's intention here is to, um, shake us out of this sense of living toward death but not being fully alive. This is really intense stuff. It's really powerful stuff. Uh, but don't be intimidated because it's like your it's like your kind uncle explaining something to you, you know, in this uh, kind of an, an aside moment. He just take pull, pulls you off from the crowd and, and sits you down and explains this truth to you. So, but it, but it's this it, 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 when you really think about it, you realize how much of your life is shaped by your ideas, perhaps your fears about things that may happen to you that might lead to death. And thinking astrologically, that's all about Pluto stuff. But anyway, it's about that. And then he explains what happens from the perspective of the human at the moment of death, and then what happens following death. Uh, which now, now, all of these things, life, soul, how soul views your life, why things happen to you, how you can respond, it can create meaning, uh, what happens at and after death, all these things I've worked with uh, with him, or you know, I've learned from him over the years, and it's come out in different, you know, some different channeling things. It comes out in sessions, and when people ask me questions, and so a lot of what I've done has been informed by this model. But this is the first time that I've sat, I've sat down over the course of a few weeks to give him uh, the time and space to unfold the teaching, this material, in exactly the way that he wants to in order to wake us up to how some of these things work and happen. So that's the book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying. It's the the best <laughs> the best uh, channel book so far for me. I'm really uh, – I mean I read it and I realize um, it's powerful because I've been doing quite a lot of work to open up, meaning the, the, the result of the channel, the product that comes out of me is essentially reflects – how I'm doing with my own, you know, uh, raising consciousness project. And when I was reading it, just aware of of that fact, I was really kind of um, ended up taking some stock of kind of where I am in my own process because it was even editing it. It took me back in that space and kind of overwhelmed me in the punch that it has. That took me into some of these. Uh, conceptions that I've had and certain past life pieces that came to the surface and had things to say and, and working through that, which is a little bit what I wanted to brief about in a few minutes just uh, to get some stuff off my chest. But anyway, get this book through tdjacobs.com. Um, you can actually read quotes, uh, some excerpts uh, in my blog, and then some commentary from me on those. So tdjacobs.com forward slash blog, and, and in each of those is the link to the page, in each of those uh, blog posts, is the... Um, Link to the page where you can order it. Now, for t starting today for 10 days, it is a PDF ebook only through my site. Uh, 
And then uh, on April 5th, it goes live as a uh, as a paperback through my site and Amazon, and also the ebook, but ebook exclusively through Kindle. I'm going to try some different promotional things uh, this time, where it requires the the ebook is not available anywhere else. So for the next 10 days, if you want the PDF ebook, you do, if you don't do Kindle and you want it, um, you get that through tdjacobs.com. It's five bucks, very affordable uh, to get you these uh, this this really important information every human needs to read this frankly um so so that's that oh and also it will be in large print i'm actually in the process of formatting uh, this week i learned about how to format and uh books for large print and just all the formatting things how to do that in the right way so that somebody who might need that uh could benefit and could really um uh, use that book so those will be on amazon and through my site uh probably all five of the books Within the next week or ten days, uh, and I'll give you another update on that when when they're all finally up there. But that's been something that's been happening, and that that actually feels really, it feels really good. And I don't know why. So it might be that some people out there might have said that 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 guy. I'd love to read his books, but gosh, they're not in large print. And maybe uh, you know, there's just a little bit of a a little bit of a, a spark there saying uh, Jacobs go do this, and I did it, so it feels good. So that's that's the book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying. Uh, it's been a really intense three weeks in weird ways because different parts of me have come up as I channel this material. So essentially, Judy's talking about creating a meaningful life. This is one of the thrusts of the book. Basically, instead of living life because we – you know, living life in uh, terms of or in the framework of fearing death or not being sure what will happen – we're not being sure if we're going to be judged after death. That's a huge thing for humans in human history, especially with all the uh, patriarchal religious um, stuff and junk from from the last almost 6,000 years. A lot of Earth culture has been defined uh, in an increasingly spreadingly way uh, by uh, conceptions of a god who's judging you for different reasons, or who would love you, but you judge yourself, and all this kind of crazy crap. And Jehudi's just like, let's just cut through this, and here is what's actually happening from the soul's perspective. So he explains creating meaning, and you know, this is something that, that has kind of dogged my ninth and 12th house selves over many lives. And if, you, if you've read The Soul's Journey 3, a case study, which is a case study of 19 of my own uh, soul's other lives, what we would call past lives, um, then you'll kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. Just certain people who are gravitated toward mysticism and religion in order to figure out the truth of what's happening with my own Pluto journey in the 12th, uh, my, own, uh, my own Pluto placement, seeking the truth. Like, like, and not, not some, what someone says is the truth, but the abs, you know, the real direct experience of what is, you know, awe-inspiringly true. And sometimes you get stuck in dogma and belief instead of some direct experience. In this life, I definitely have had some direct experiences as these five channeled books, uh, evidence, uh, and other things. But, um, so he's talking about creating meaning, and this is something that has really dogged me. In some lives, and in some other lives, I'm spending quite a lot of time with existentialist literature, including this life, by the way. Uh, I did my thesis in college on um, existentialist issues. <laughs> that was I was a philosophy major in college because um, it just something about it really appealed to me. After my intended 
a music performance major. I was a bass trombone player. I played like low brass, like tuba and euphonium, primarily bass trombone. After that just didn't work out for different reasons, I ended up in the philosophy department because uh, I know you were all terribly curious about <laughs> whatever. Anyway, so um, – and I gravitated towards existentialism because it's about, you know, wondering about existence and what's really here. And I just felt like this book that I just finished is in fact directed at everybody who has existentialist issues or the weight of, uh, you know, uh, wondering why we're here and thinking that the universe is uncaring and finding, you know, this whole thing about the, if you don't know about existentialism, it's like the basic idea is, um, the universe is uncaring and won't ever give you what you need. But as a human, you can't help but seek it to provide meaning for you. Like you can't help but reach outside of yourself to find, to uh, find meaning, but the universe will not do it. So, so it starts kind of um, in different ways with like Kierkegaard, and I want to say he's in like early to mid nineteenth century. And you can, cor- you know, whatever. Don't correct me because yeah, whatever. I know we can all look it up. But anyway, so so that's kind of, and then it goes into other people, and then it ends up with Nietzsche, and you know, he gets a bad rap because of all the Nazi crap. But don't believe all that. That was because his crazy sister was uh, basically a Nazi before the word was there. He went crazy, by the way, and um, actually Neptune sensitivity. <laughs> he went crazy. He um, had a nervous breakdown when he saw a um, carriage rider in the street beating his horse, not Nietzsche's horse, the, the, the driver's own horse. He had a breakdown, so he goes in, into an asylum, and his sister manages his work and is one of these people who, um, you know, 30 years later, this is in the early 1890s, maybe 1890, 1889, but she would, you know, she's somebody who is in favor of like racial purity and all these, all all these things that end up kind of being really, really damaging 30 and 40 years later. But anyway, so on to Nietzsche and whatever. And then you have like Sartre holding this huge, Jean-Paul Sartre uh, in the 20th century, holding this huge place open. And all that stuff really kind of bothered me until I found the work of um, Albert Camus. And I've actually mentioned this to a couple of clients this week as we're talking about meaningfulness and stuff. But anyway, so um, so all these people basically say life is meaningless. And like Kierkegaard, you're getting a little philosophy lesson. Who knew? Uh, Kierkegaard basically says, um, you know, there's this whole thing about having this relationship with God, and he's very, uh, very Christian. And so there's this whole focus on that. And then Nietzsche's like, well, you know, this whole God principle thing, it doesn't work and it's all on the way out. I think people quote him now saying God is dead, but that you might need to, to look that up to find out what the actual quote is. Um, but it's very handy to have on bumper stickers and, you know, lapel buttons and whatnot, uh, <laughs> and websites and blogs. Anyway, so, um, anyway, so, so then it comes to this ahead with Sartre and he basically, doesn't give you anything to go on. And then Camus says, well, it, let's say that it's true. Instead of moping around about it, you actually could choose to create meaning for yourself. But then as I've studied him, uh, as I've gone through his biography, and he is the one on whom I did my thesis in college. And where I went to school, you had to do a thesis, kind of the equivalent of a master's thesis, but it was for the undergrad requirement, uh, which, of course, terrified everybody until they actually did it. Uh, so he said, but you can create meaning. And so I've kind of used that since I encountered that when I was 18, I've used that all the time to kind of say, well, 
you know, maybe this part of me is pessimistic, but I can choose to do something today that creates an effect on the world around me that I find meaningful. And so this is what Jehudi's talking about, basically the cure for existentialism. So part of the debrief I want to give you is that it was just really intense drawing up all these parts of me that may tend toward being upset that the world doesn't offer one or me meaning, and then getting absolute instruction on how to do it, which is why this book is so powerful. As again, as I said, it's the shortest of the five books, but it's the most potent. So uh, at this point, I'm going to take the first break. Uh, this is Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey. Stick with me. I will be right back. wired is no accident your soul has divine intentions for this life understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world a soul's journey soundbite from astrologer and channel tom jacobs is a 15 minute mp3 reading on your major life themes tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you your values passions fears and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your soul's journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com. Looking for answers to help you navigate life? The book Jehudi Speaks offers wisdom channeled from Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin on humanity's opportunities during these exciting times. Jehudi Speaks provides what you need to know to grow and evolve on Earth now. A compilation of four channeled books, Jehudi Speaks explores karmic relationships, our relationships with animals, loss and death of all kinds, why the imbalance between masculine and feminine occurred and how to end it, and tools to evolve, including working with intuition and spirit guides, integrating past lives, and the truth about manifestation and abundance. Order Jehudi Speaks today through tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. It's all about college philosophy uh, with Tom Jacobs. Now, that was just a little detour to, to give you some context because it's uh, – that whole bit before is about conscious living, conscious dying. It is geared towards inspiring us to see that we can actually create the meaning that we crave. Mike, every human is wired to, to do this. So I see this, I see this book as, as the answer to all of the angst and you know deep pain that people have about existentialist issues and and I you know maybe I have them more than other people but other people do have depressiveness other people do think about what is the point of life and why should I live why should I be here and you know different shades of the 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 grayness of that where clouds follow you around and stuff and this book is very intentionally from Jehudi about 
helping you clear that up in a really intentional way that empowers you. Not somehow accepting that things are meaningless, but actually showing you how to work with that to move through it. Incredibly powerful. So you can get that. Again, the next 10 days, it's a PDF through tdjacobs.com. And then after that, uh, and of course, you'll get a uh, word on that uh, here. Uh, and also, you can subscribe to my email list through tdjacobs.com and also my blog and Twitter and the, the Facebook dealio and all that to uh, to be a, uh, to stay uh, apprised, I think is the word, of um, when all that happens. So anyway, so now I'll take a deep breath. Um, so that, that does lead me into the Neptunian thing because Neptune in Pisces – um, tries to open us up. It's like this collective trance, like it is this collective transit that will be in play from, uh, for 14 years total this time around, uh, or every time around, from 2011 to 2025. Neptune itself is about the direct connection with something bigger than you that's outside you. So some people experience that through crowds and masses, mass movements, getting, you know, going to a sporting event, going to a music event and getting lost in the sea of people, uh, you know, public events of any kind, um, as well as getting lost in, um, music, creativity, art, any kind of, uh, creative endeavor, whether producing or consuming, getting lost in that movies, very Neptunian thing. So we, we can't help but reach out to connect to something outside of us that is bigger. Neptune is the part of us that has us trying to connect to these other realities, other dimensions. I, I also talk about multiple ways of knowing with Neptune. It is not your linear logical mind. When your Neptune's functioning, you're intuitive. When your Neptune is uh, really open, you might be channeling or listening to dead people help the living around you, like you know, gu- doing guide work, doing mediumship work of different kinds. Um, you might do automatic writing for your own guidance. And so, so when your Neptune's really open, you have access to more information than your linear logical mind does. So Neptune going into a, uh, Pisces in 2011 has us. Learning to explore, relaxing and surrendering to that information, to those ways of knowing. So for some people, we control uh, the information in and out function, the linear logical mind. We control it. So Neptune and Pisces will, you know, for this 14 years, may have us experiencing feeling stressed because we can't keep controlling everything, right? The call is to surrender to something, the truth of something. The truth of something as it exists outside you, which is to say outside the purview of your linear logical mind, your left brain, your human mind. So add to that uh, Chiron in Pisces. Chiron is the energetic sensitizer. The energy energy antenna is how I talk about it. Um, And the whole story on the Chiron deal is in – Chiron 2012 in the Aquarian Age, that book and ebook, um, and also it's a the the books are actually a transcription of the uh, something like ten and a half or eleven hour audio course that's on my site, um, and uh, it's it's half channeled. So people who listen to it sometimes have already read the book and they just want that you know opening. They want that space opening so they can learn about it uh, you know orally as well as have that channel thing happen. Uh, one person who one of the first people who heard it. Um, would listen to it in her car on her MP3 player, and she um, 
got to a yoga class and she signed in using the wrong name and didn't realize it. And everyone else thought she was playing a joke and asked her about it. And it was a big, you know, big laughter because she didn't realize that she had used the wrong name. And it was kind of, she was altered. She'd gone into this channeled space, being really affected by the, by the vibration of it. Uh, because the teaching is from Jehudi or in that, in that version, actually St. Germain, the keeper of the violet flame of forgiveness, who is the same being as Jehudi. So Chiron and Pisces asks us to surrender to another stream of information, another way of knowing, energetic information, which we experience energy around us and we respond with emotion. So Chiron and Neptune together have this big um, energy antenna amplified by the big satellite dish that collects things. Neptune collects things, it draws things to us and is a big, big broad opening. So we're all becoming more sensitive. Now, in your chart, you may have Neptune, for example, in an Earth sign, in an Earth house. So your Neptune may not be totally free-flowing and happy about being Neptune. You know, everyone's got a Neptune, and it, they each can work well. I'm not saying that if, you know, you have Neptune in an Earth, in an Earth sign or house, there's a problem. But everyone's Neptune works differently. But collectively, with Neptune transiting Pisces, with Chiron – we are all being drawn into being more energetically aware of things in whatever way works best for us. So if you're somebody who controls very tightly your mind and everything that happens in your world, you'll be nudged to really release some control, to relax into allowing things to be what they are. If you already do that, you'll be taken a little further into that. If you're somebody like me, me who has gone through a multi-year process of you know, working through block, blocks and resistance like that, then other things start to happen in more subtle ways. One of the examples I noted, you, if you listen to the show, you've heard me, and if you've read The Soul's Journey 3, you've read about my thing about barking dogs and how it inspires anger in me. Well, I've actually moved mostly through that. Because um, – and this is one of those amazing things that's been happening the last few months because it used to be I would be very reactive to the energy of anger. And I, and I still am. If, if somebody comes to me with that, I'm still sometimes very reactive, less than I used to be. But it can still throw me off course. Um, but now what happens when I hear a dog barking is I immediately am aware of the energy behind the barking. So if there's a dog in someone's yard who's barking and the barking is basically conveying – Hey, um, I, I, I would love someone to play with. I, I can't see anybody. Is there anybody there? That is what I hear. If it's, hey, get out of this street. This is my yard. I'm in charge. I don't like you. Stop doing what you're doing. Then that is felt by me too. So as I sit now in, in Tucson, it's spring. Spring's kind of like summer in some other places, maybe high of 80 or something like that. The wind is open. And I'm right next to, um, well, it's a big wash, but it's the Rieto River. It's like a big river that runs east-west through Tucson. And there's a bike path on the, the other side of the thing. So a couple hundred feet from my window is a bike path where people are always biking and, and walking. And there are, there are dogs that are in pens on the other side of this, like in, in fences, in fence yards. Well, one of them has this dog that stands out in the yard yelling angry things all the time. And I just keep thinking – why is it okay that this person, because I think of dogs as people, and this is not because I'm silly, it's because I see that soul in there. And when I hear the barking, I hear what that soul is communicating, that, that heartfelt communication. 
So I think I find myself continually, repeatedly thinking, why is it okay for this person to stand in his yard and scream his head off angrily at other people? And then I realize, wait a minute, no, nobody else gets this. Everybody else sees a dog who's barking. So, so I end up getting a little frustrated. And then I realize I'm confused, but oh, and then I remember, oh, right, that's not what's happening for other people. Other people are just hearing this noise. Like I'm actually hearing the emotion, I'm feeling in my body the emotional content of that barking. And I do have the experience all the time of, you know, hearing a dog in the neighborhood or, you know, this, this is, this happened recently actually. Um, we were walking in a parking lot and there was a dog in a car with the window half world down. And the dog was sitting there barking quite a lot, but the dog was saying, I'm, I don't know you. What do you want to talk to? I don't know if I'm allowed to talk to you, but you know, this kind of like friendly thing. And that's the energy I got. So the dog was barking, but I had no problem with it. It was a very inquisitive, curious, friendly kind of interaction. So anyway, I have this image sometimes of somebody standing in his or her front yard just shouting his head off. Hey, you, I don't like what you're doing. Stop, you know, and that's what the equivalent is for me. So that's one thing about my own Neptune sensitivity that's been developing. But everybody's got some version of being more aware of the energy unfolding around him or her happening. Everybody's becoming more sensitive to these energies. Uh, so that, that was, that was one thing. Another thing that it just really briefly before I get to the gluten thing, which is a big deal for a lot of people, uh, and I have several key things to say about this. Um, the, one of the other things is, um, you know, sensitivity to the energies around you will happen as, as far as relationships and people go. Um, you don't realize why you're agitated because with Neptune and Chiron, we are sensitive to energies, but realization is about the linear logical mind interpreting what's happening or understanding it. So you may find that you are agitated by something and you just feel like you have to get away from it. I noticed this with, with me and my girlfriend for, for both ways. If one of us is in kind of an upset or complaining mood, the other one can't really open to listen. And so it might seem like we're not supportive of each other, but it's more like, Oh, I, I can't do this right now, so let's catch up when you're not upset or you're not, you know, unhappy about this, or whatever. And so, um, but that's a very Chiron Neptune thing, and we don't know in the moment. All we, you might see in the other person is that person's not listening. The person's not able to listen. That person's kind of closing a little door. And that, so that's actually becoming normal for a lot of people. Uh, but if you don't know it, if you don't know what's happening, you're just agitated or not open. So, um, this and this happened for actually it happened for me the other night when we were watching a movie and I I was squirming because of the content of the movie certain things in it that I'll, that I'll tell you in a second and I thought oh well she probably really wants to watch this movie so I didn't say anything and when I mentioned this to her the next day she said I didn't want to keep watching it either so but we didn't talk about it we just sat there in this discomfort thinking the other person wanted to watch it so we learned our lesson but but it was a movie. Um, it was a comedy. We wanted to watch a comedy, and uh, and and it was um, one of these comedies with a bunch of these um, youngish male actors. I can't. I don't, I don't want to like be too um, stereotypical about it, but and I can't even remember what the name of the movie was. But basically, there are lots of um, jokes about um, who's more rapeable if they went to prison. And so, hearing those words, I'm not into it. Like, I don't care. But the energy of it. It just really bothered me and really got to me. And I was squirming. I was sighing, you know, like tense sighing and then fidgeting. And I didn't even realize what was happening 
completely until a couple hours after we're done the movie and with the movie and I was reading and, and attempting to go to sleep and I realized, yeah, I don't I don't find that funny because it's essentially um you know, self-congratulatory that you're not, you know, they're, they're joking about if they got caught for this crime, you know, who who would be more susceptible to this in prison, who's cuter or whatever, or who seems weaker, this whole thing about it. And um, and it's really just not not funny. It's really not funny. <laughs> and uh, But it's like this self-congratulatory thing of, oh, well, we can have this inside joke because we are not, you know, unlucky enough or dumb enough or poor enough or something enough or uneducated enough to find ourselves in that kind of unfortunate situation. So we're making, we have the freedom to make fun of it. Rape is not funny. Rape in prison, anal rape, it's not funny. So anyway, I said to her the next day, I said, I know that you like the comedies, <laughs> but some of these comedies have this garbage in it. And I can't do it. And she said, I can't either. So we were actually on the same page. Um, anyway, so that's the thing about the sensitivity to the energy of the thing. Now, if you relate to this at all, not this, this theme and whatever, but like this idea of you're, you're consuming a, a media, you're hearing a radio story, you're reading a magazine article, anything. You're even hearing somebody tell a story about his or her life or even somebody else. It's like a third hand thing. And you're just uncomfortable with it, and you don't know why. Neptune and Chiron and Pisces are making you more energetically aware, more aware of subtext, more aware of things happening under the surface, and your body, your emotions, your energy field, your electrical field, they are all reacting in a way that says, I can't handle this. Uh, so that takes me into the gluten thing, which is what I want to talk about. Um, so... I talk about food stuff with Lilith all the time, and there's a huge chunk of the new uh, – the Lilith Intensive, these, these seven hours of, of MP3s that I, I think I announced it. I think I launched it last on last week's show. I announced it's available. There's a huge chunk on there because I, I really go in-depth when I, when I teach Lilith stuff about – and that's available through tdjacobs.com as well uh, – about instinct and having – letting our bodies are – biochemistry, you know, given what's happening with it right now and this month and this week, choose what we eat. It's very, very important. Uh, so then this, this gluten thing uh, comes up, and, I, and, to, and to some degree, Lilith here is the answer to the food thing that I'm about to describe, um, because choosing because of instinct, allowing ourselves to tap into what is right for us, essentially lower chakra wisdom. Lilith intensely relates to chakras one and two, root and sacral, and also third chakra, but but um, kind of pre-rational things about uh, Lilith would be with the first and second chakras. And then in the third chakra, we kind of make certain decisions, and we're kind of more self-aware and less reactive sometimes, or ideally. So so primarily the issues we have with Lilith stuff are belonging to the first and second chakras, and then we're able to clean them up and then do some proactive decision-making with a third chakra, the seat of personal power, saying yes and no to things. And then that's actually a remedy for healing some of the stuff in the lower chakra stuff. Anyway, get the Lilith uh, intensive MP3s if you if you want to explore that. It, it expands what's in the book, Lilith, Healing the Wild. So uh, Neptune, Chiron, and Pisces and gluten. Um, Ten years ago, if you would have heard uh, somebody – that you know, or somebody you you know, kind of third hand, somebody has um, a sensitivity to gluten, 
you might have thought, you know, what the expletive is that supposed to mean? Or what? And then somebody explains to you, um, oh, actually, I remember this. I had a friend whose girlfriend um, had this. She was an, uh, an opera singer. She was doing a, uh, a master's in uh, opera vocal performance. Um, and she was having some issues with um, mucus in her you know, nasal tract, some issues. So she went to a nutritionist and did all this stuff, and the, it was decided that gluten was in the way. And this was 1995. It's almost 20 years ago. 1996, something like that. So, uh, and at the time, I was like, you know, what the expletive? <laughs> you know, because I'd never heard of this. So, ten years ago, twenty years ago, you would have heard this, and you would have had to, you know, do research and really have an open mind and find out about it. And part of you would have said, "Oh my gosh, that stinks! That's crazy! I can't imagine." So now, lots of people, lots of people are having this, and they're w- looking at it astrologically as a collective trend. Um, exploding with Neptune and Chiron and Pisces, becoming more sensitive to the energies of what you consume. So put a dot, dot, dot on that. Uh, this is Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey, and I'll be right back with what I really want to tell you about gluten sensitivity. Taking the next break. Be right back. wired is no accident your soul has divine intentions for this life understanding those intentions can bring greater peace and harmony to your world a soul's journey soundbite from astrologer and channel tom jacobs is a 15 minute mp3 reading on your major life themes tom's unique approach to astrology sheds light on the big picture of you your values passions fears and family dynamics as divinely designed by your soul Gift yourself and others with insight and understanding by ordering your soul's journey soundbite today at tdjacobs.com. Looking for answers to help you navigate life? The book Jehudi Speaks offers wisdom channeled from Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin on humanity's opportunities during these exciting times. Jehudi Speaks provides what you need to know to grow and evolve on Earth now. A compilation of four channeled books, Jehudi Speaks explores karmic relationships, our relationships with animals, loss and death of all kinds, why the imbalance between masculine and feminine occurred and how to end it, and tools to evolve, including working with intuition and spirit guides, integrating past lives, and the truth about manifestation and abundance. Order Jehudi Speaks today through tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and channel, and today I am um, a... uh, hyper about the whole gluten deal. So uh, what's really happening, you know, I'm, t- I'm saying there's an explosion of uh, awareness about the gluten sensitivity and also people responding 
uh, uh, to gluten in a negative way. And, you know, there's, there's a beginning to be now a proliferation of magazines at your natural food store. I mean, it's probably, it's, we're a couple years into the proliferation of literature and websites and, you know, discussion groups and fora and all, about all the gluten problems and also more and more people emerging so to speak, from the woodwork, realizing, oh, I have that problem too. Oh, one of these, you know, 30 things on this list is my issue. So let me go figure out if it's gluten. Aha, it is. So, you know, what's really happening is we are collectively becoming more aware that our brains have organized our nutrition. So we're becoming more sensitive to the energies of what we're consuming. So, you know, if you're not eating clean organic stuff, you know, picked by people who have goodness in their hearts or whatever, you know, like you're going to pick up energies. Like, like I remember really craving Chinese food years ago. This was, I don't know, it was probably 10, I mean, almost 10 years ago. And I was dating a woman at the time who was extremely Neptunian and she couldn't go to a Chinese food restaurant with me because um, of the ways that. A lot of restaurants like that where we were were handling the food and treating the animals. And so – and I didn't understand that, but now I get it. Now I can feel like, oh, that restaurant, bad for me. This one, okay. Like I can sort it out now energetically by what's going on. And this is this is available to all humans. Uh, you don't have to be a channel or medium to like develop that. But you do have to pay attention to your body and be really willing to edit your choices and, and be really intentional about what, what happens and what you choose. Um, but uh, our bodies are not built to work with grains all the time, to digest grains. So I, I did some um, wiki footwork. That was my little wordplay for Wikipedia. I did some Wikipedia footwork today, uh, putting some numbers to stuff. And my student, Kat, actually, we were talking about the gluten thing recently. And I said that human, you know, Homo sapiens have been around for 44,000 years. 44,000 years. Uh, correction, Kat, if you're listening, uh, it's actually um, 250,000 years. 44,000 years is the advent of the uh, the human culture. <laughs> anyway, so um, early primates, which is what we actually are later primates, frankly. Early primates begin separating off from other mammalian lines 65 million years ago. So this is when, when primates start being differentiated. Um, the divergence of this thread that becomes human or in the, the lingo homo uh, is between eight and four million years ago. So that's quite a, quite a long time. Uh, so this – the evolution of the digestive tract that you and I carry – has you know it starts here uh, or starts with the sixty five million years ago and then kind of comes here and so and within that time frame, gorillas branch off and then chimps branch off and if you uh, remember this thing that's been floating around for you know definitely about thirty years that we are ninety eight point four percent genetically identical to chimpanzees, the human DNA delio uh, it's really something to think about. Um, and then Homo sapiens – I mean there's a bunch of – you're going to – whatever. I'm just going to say this. There are a bunch of homos that – you know, a bunch of homo this, homo that. Uh, and then Homo sapiens, the one that thinks, the one with wisdom, uh, 250,000 years ago. So your species has been around on this planet for 250,000 years. 
your digestive tract has been in process for 65 million years, actually a little longer, but this kind of specialization in the direction that's now become Homo sapiens the last quarter million years. And the agriculture – this is the big deal here. After that context, the agricultural revolution is about 12,000 years ago. So right now, with Neptune and Chiron and Pisces, your body is waking up to the fact that you are basically eating material that's foreign to it. That's what's happening. That's what's going on. You can't handle it. Your body can't process it. So the deal with gluten, you know, uh, how do you say this? Like the physical effect of gluten is about the lining of the large intestine, also called the colon, as you may know. And the one or both of the proteins that make gluten up irritate the lining of the colon. That's kind of the, the physical thing. So some people will have like a mild sensitivity where they're kind of groggy or sluggish after they eat something with gluten in it, which is the protein found in wheat. Uh, other people will have kind of really drastic reactions. And I think people who think that gluten stuff is about having a fad diet, those people don't know the people who have um, postprandial explosiveness that leads them to being up all night suffering because – you know, their colon is spasming and trying to, you know, force out what is irritating it. So the colon, energetically, you're just, you're getting a whole tour here from like Kierkegaard to your colon. <laughs> uh, you're getting the whole tour. Um, <laughs> uh, from 65 million years ago to your colon. Um, but but th- this uh, colon energetically has a lot to do with your immunity has a lot to do with how strong your body feels and how your immune system functions. It is the sewer of the body. It's one of the most important organs, definitely the most important eliminative organ. So this is your root chakra, your first chakra, which when we talk about where it's located, we say, oh, it's right around the anus. That's where it is. But energetically, um, you are eating what if you're eating gluten and you're having a problem with it you are actually rejecting the cultural norm that doesn't fit with your biology the cultural uh, expectation because we went from hunting gathering into establishing uh homesteads and and you know the ability to farm this agricultural revolution about 12,000 years ago in order to ensure that we have a constant food supply. Hunting-gathering is very stressful. I mean, that stress is actually good for us in certain ways because you shouldn't be fed three times a day every day of your life. You need to rest. Your digestion needs to rest. And as I argue with all the Lilith stuff, your instinct gets farther and away from you if you never, for example, fast overnight. If you never, for example, give your digestion a break, your system can't clear itself out and rest enough to activate some of these endocrinological signals of smell related to root chakra that tell you um, I shouldn't be in this career (laughs) or I need to move to a different city because I I feel stifled and thwarted here. Like this instinct that can help guide us. If you are constantly feeding, uh, then you – don't have access to your instinct. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Like I've talked before at, at different times about eating raw meat and how that has woken up my instinct. And I went back to that this week. I've been kind of fighting, fighting with the whole like what I should be eating thing, aware of all this stuff, but also trying to 
just kind of manage my day in a way that allows for dealing with deep emotions that sometimes do guide my eating in ways that don't really work best for me. If I eat greens, you know, like a mixed, mixed greens, maybe with a little salad dressing, maybe not, and some avocado and raw beef, I am thrilled and happy. It's fat, it's protein, it's fiber, it's vitamins and minerals, it's a whole bit. So anyway, um, I've been going back to doing that at least once a day, which is kind of one of the reasons why I'm hyper right now because um, I had some really awesome grass-fed organic beef about two and a half hours ago uh, because I wanted to be in a good space for the show. I didn't want to eat anything that would make me sluggish or whatever. So anyway um, – so your body can't handle all this, and your root chakra, your colon, is the physical manifestation of your root chakra, your sense of safety in the world, is reacting, saying, I need to purge this thing out. I can't eat it. I can't handle it. It's unhealthy for me. And then your brain is organizing your food life, and our collective brains over the course of, you know, well, going on about 12,000 years – you know, we as a collective decided we needed to do that to ensure our survival. It enabled uh, being able to provide food for a growing population, much able to have a much bigger population. So there could be something like a city, you know, a village becoming a town, becoming a city, and now we have these, you know, these mega cities and places in the world. And and this has everything to do with how the the food supply was um, engineered through cultivation of grain. The big the big thing was not that we stopped so we could grow our vegetables. No, it was all about grain and having that consistent food source. Your body hasn't been designed to do that. You are a primate. You're a human primate, uh, but you're a primate. You're a monkey. Now, your brain is really great, but you're a monkey. You're a bipedal primate. So if you're eating macaroni out of a box, your body will eventually rebel. Because your body can't take the stress of eating what it was not designed to eat. So this is – I'm trying to offer you these multiple layers of the deal with gluten. Tying it back in – actually, let's just take a little moment, take a breath because I, I really feel like I'm hyper and freight training through this because I could do this for hours. I really want you to understand this in detail. Um, I'm just taking a little calm moment <laughs> with just a few minutes left in the show, so I want to make it count. Um, your body will reject what is not good for you. And so you have a gluten problem and your brain goes, oh, but I, I miss blah, blah, blah. For me, it's the occasional beer. Like, and I sometimes I have this conversation about the gluten thing with people, like, not about this whole, like, you know, <laughs> lecture soapbox thing, but like, uh, um, just talking about the experience of, oh, yeah, I, I found out that I, you know, couldn't tolerate gluten and cut it out, et cetera. And I will say to the person, I, I haven't, uh, emotionally adapted to the reality that I can't have a real beer once in a while. Like I don't, I don't drink a lot. Uh, sometimes alcohol really affects me strongly because I'm already Neptunianly open, and I actually feel high most of the time. And I don't, you know, have any normal. I don't have any biochemical reason to. It's just all of the sixth and seventh chakra stuff with the channeling and the healing and running energy work and hanging out with these beings. It's like I'm in that space quite a lot, altered consciousness space. So it's not like I drink a lot, but once in a while, I would say like every three weeks, one beer would would just calm me down and set me set me up, just like make me feel great. Can't do it. Gluten free beers don't even don't even email me and say you know Tom they have gluten. No, they suck. Don't I, no no way. I've I've had them. I've tried like five kinds. I'm not having them. 
anyway, so it's like I haven't emotionally accepted, you know, the implications that I'm halfway through my life and I can't have a beer again. But everything else I'm pretty much, you know, pretty pretty cool with. So we have this idea in our minds and our attachment to the taste and the physical sensations and the feelings of certain foods that become comfort foods. So, you know, if you find out that you can't eat something, and I, and I intended to get into this issue of allergies today uh, with this, but I, I was kind of chomping at the bit to get to the gluten thing as soon as I got on the food thing. So, um, but this idea of what you can't handle, you can't have, you know, you're sensitive to things, your body is overreacting, like having an allergic reaction, being sensitive to a food or having the other extreme of an anaphylactic event is your immune system. Well, if it's anaphylaxis, which is the kind of classic allergy thing that not everybody has toward things that they're really sensitive to. Like if I eat something and I'm not that great about it, I'm probably sensitive as opposed to truly like clinically allergic to it. Um, but if my body rejects something, my brain may say, oh, but I love whatever, pizza, breakfast cereal, a bagel, whatever it is. I, I love, you know, my brain is attached, my mouth is attached, and I identify with that linear logical mind that thinks it knows what I should eat because, tying this all together, I've been told this is what I should eat. So if you're gluten sensitive, if you can't eat gluten, don't go out and replace every food with a gluten-free equivalent. Like don't go out and get rice bread. Don't go out and get like quinoa pot. Don't just don't do it because your body will still eventually not be able to tolerate it. Your body will not thrive. So if you're getting the message, I shouldn't eat gluten, I can't eat gluten, take it as an opportunity to retool how you eat, retool your relationship with your body, wake up instinct. I mean, you don't have to eat raw like I sometimes do. You know, I have off and on for, I don't know, seven or eight years or something. Uh, you don't have to do that. But it's really important. If you're getting that wake-up call to take the opportunity, take advantage of it, to get more in touch with what your body truly wants. Because if you're having a gluten problem because you know you like this bread or whatever, this is just a part of your life, part of your staple part of your life, your body is not saying, I would prefer rice bread. <laughs> your body is not saying that. Your body is saying grains are a problem. This whole thing about cultivated grains and all this stuff, it's not working for me. So so you know, take advantage. I really encourage you to figure it out. And the Neptune and Chiron bit in Pisces to wrap this up is about these other ways of knowing, having your body speak to you, waking up your intuition, trusting your sense of smell, like not letting your brain make all your food decisions because it will steer you into this path that creates disease and then you're, you know, you're in this kind of typical uh, American place where you're you're the target of all the commercials advertising the drugs. Okay, so that's so that's that's the show. We have just a couple seconds left. Thanks for joining me. Uh, if you get something out of the show, consider you know go to tdjacobs.com and and send me some cash to donation to support it. Also, I have um, a, a ton of MP3s and books, including the new Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, that you can uh, partake of as well to help support this effort. Thanks for joining me. You can read about what I'm up to at tdjacobs.com, and I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com.